With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. If you've been following me at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed, you'll have seen that we've been running hashtag goat cricketer for the England test team down the years. We have 32 nominations in the draw. They battled it out until we got to the final and then the winner was uh, Sir Ian Botham. So many congratulations, Sir Ian. You have been deemed by the at cricket underscore badger Twitter followers to be the greatest England test cricketer of all time, which is quite some tag to be honest so if you keep an eye out on the at cricket underscore badger twitter feed hashtag goat cricketer g-o-a-t greatest of all time we're going to try over the next few days to decide who is the greatest indian test match cricketer of all time it's that badger style i'm joined on this edition of the podcast by knuckle pandy knuckle how are you not too bad james how are you I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right. And you're quite well qualified for this, aren't you? Because you're living in England, but you're of Indian heritage. I'm going to ask you a very sensitive question to start this off. I'm going to out you. When England are playing India, who are you supporting? I actually made myself a shirt a few years ago that said I failed the Tebbit test, which is actually not strictly true because... Because I commentate a lot with guerrilla cricket, that's kind of what I that's kind of what I do. I've had to train myself out of being uh, a partisan for anybody in particular. Before that, uh, before I kind of trained myself to to watch cricket for cricket, to be biased in favour of cricket, as it were, it, it was have been it would have been India. But I, I think the 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 Tebbit test, as it was as it was known, is a can be a pretty can be a pretty nasty a little thing. But um, yeah, vaguely leaning India, but uh, but more historically than right now. 
But I, I've got a little bit of a history. One of my, my best friends from school, I've known him since I was probably about nine years old. He's of Indian heritage as well. He supports India. So basically, I spent half of my life telling him how great England are and how bad India are. But by virtue of that, you do tend to pay India quite a lot of interest. And some fantastic cricketers that we've seen down the years. We noticed as well, Nakul, I know you had a, a bit of a passing interest in the goat cricketer for, for England. Ian Botham, as we said, has uh, won that uh, that vote. Jeffrey Boycott, Jimmy Anderson. And Fred Truman joined him in the final four. And one of the things that came up in the discussion, and all of this goat cricket has got, it's not scientific, it's all about what people think at the, at the moment. You get your votes in, you talk about cricket in a time of coronavirus, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. But one of the things, Knuckle, is it's very hard to compare eras. I did a little video prior to the England vote, and I said, please, we've got a little bit of time at the moment. There's a lot of people just self-isolating, sit, sitting at home, got plenty of time on their hands, thinking, what can I do with my day? Have a look back. Some of the older names that will come up in this India vote, have a look back at them, look at, read up about them, see what they achieved, and don't just vote Virat Kohli, MSD, Sachin Tendulkar, etc. Have a look back at some of the older Indian players, judge them on their merits, you might never have seen them play, but have a look at that for what they achieved, because there's some very worthy candidates that we'll talk about as we go through this podcast. It's a hard thing to do, though, Knuckle, isn't it? Hard thing to compare areas. Oh, for sure. Um, just on the most basic level, the the numbers don't always give you a, the the full context because uh, you know different areas have different sort of mean batting and bowling averages, and there are lots of statistical models out there that people have published. Crick Info do this every now and again, where they'll try and uh, they'll get one of their statistical people to come up with a model that tries to mitigate against all of these factors and come up with, you know, what is actually objectively, so to speak, the greatest test innings of all time or test bowling performance of all time, test player of all time, who was better, this great player from the 1960s, this great player from the 1990s. And they're all quite interesting, not terribly accessible if you're someone like me, who is, I'm pretty good with cricket stats, but I'm certainly not math- math- mathematically trained. And just even just beyond comparing eras, uh, it's quite difficult to come up with, you know, on what what are your criteria for for greatness, as it were, because it's not just number of runs and, and number of wickets. Although I think as the England poll came out with longevity does count for an awful lot. And one of the things that's going a lot at the moment, because we've obviously got no live sport to talk about. Nothing to watch, no future events to look forward to with any certainty. Nostalgia is playing a big part in modern day life just to keep us going. We're looking back at things we enjoy, looking back at heroes. We're looking back at all sorts of different things. When you when you do do that and you compare us and you look back down the years, yeah, the levels of fitness sometimes as well. You know, you, you get a, a you know, an arguably a great of yesteryear, but you, you'll look on YouTube and you'll see his little showreel for 40 seconds. That's all the best things he's ever done. You know, not every game that he played was like that. Even the very greatest of all time. Even Don Bradman got out for naught. You know, there's there's days where they have off days too. So. Sometimes the current crop, you may be a little bit harsher on them than the, the, the golden generation of yesteryear. For sure, there's two biases, I think, to, to avoid. One is recency bias. So players who we've seen a lot of and who we have a lot more information about and whose great performances are more or more readily available to the top of one's mind. And the other is um, yearning for a mythical golden age that never existed. So the uh, what, someone who came out in your in the final four of the England poll, Fred Truman, you know, the it were better in my day type thing that uh, that a lot of that fans tend to fall into. And I think a lot of people tend to fall into one of those two camps. I've tried to avoid both of those errors in, in, in my in my selection of my of my five. Finally, on, on the YouTube point, some of the cricketers that will be picked from all 
um, not all, but most uh, most of the test cricketing uh, nations will. There'll be a certain period before there was widespread television coverage of the game, and sometimes it's just what's available. One of the people you've uh, you picked out as yours, one of his greatest uh, achievements was never filmed. I think back to Fred Truman as well, and I saw him play actually once in a Courage Old England eleven, and he was rather fat by that stage. He had a pipe hanging out of his mouth, and he was more of your uh, kind of the older school Fred Truman. But he came off about three faces, but he could still bowl a very mean cricket ball. But I did see a very old piece of Pathé newsreel with Fred Truman, and he bowled this very fast lightning outswinger that pitched and then cut back in off the seam and took out the middle stump. Not every single ball he bowled was like that. And in the same way, then, despite you know, what he would tell you, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I had a we're talking to somebody on Twitter about comparing him with Jimmy Anderson. I mean, Jimmy Anderson bowls balls that are as good as that. But he also, you know, we also see the entire day's play at the moment. We see him have some sessions where he doesn't take wickets. So yeah, it's swings and roundabouts. But I guess people are tempted to vote with what they know best, and they're the guys that you see on your TV screens currently. But try and avoid that if you can out there. Indian badges. It's even more important at the moment, given my own precarious employment position with no sport to commentate or write about, I am looking for a Cricket Badger podcast sponsor. Please, please, please help out the podcast. Help me out and come on board with your business. I can get you in front of the cricket world. Plenty of people listening to podcasts at the moment with no live sport to descend upon with their eyes or their ears. So please, please, please help out the Cricket Badger podcast. Come on board, contact me, cricketbadger at hotmail.com or contact me on the Twitter at cricket underscore badger. Your help would be hugely appreciated by the Cricket Badger listeners and we could help each other out in these troubled times. Let's get on then. So we've got five nominations apiece, Knuckle. So I'm going to let you nominate first. And... They're going to make up 10 of the nominations of the 32. I'll then pad them out to 32. I'll do a draw and we'll have them in eight pools of four. Then obviously go into four pools of four for the quarterfinals, two pools of four for the semifinals. Then the final will be the final four before we find out who is the greatest Indian test cricketer of all time. Nakul, over to you. Your first nomination, please. Well, I'm doing my nominations in chronological order. So my first is someone who came into international just before India became independent. So he spans an incredibly interesting time in uh, in Indian history and world history. And he's someone who, whose name has become associated with the, with something controversial. And I think that sometimes his, his greatness, I think, is lost. It's Vinu Mankad, uh, the first great all-rounder of, of Indian cricket. An opening batter, a slow left-arm bowler, a, a very, very fine batter and part of a number of done a number of incredible things uh, on the cricket field that that I think deserve to overshadow the running out of somebody at the non-strikers and that has uh, has come to take his name. Very quickly, because we could go on about the Mancad for all, all eternity. Where do you stand on the Mancad? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Stay in your crease. Uh, the the law is is pretty it's pretty unequivocal. Um, if if a batter is out of their crease, I don't see that. I don't think there's anything wrong with or anything that people should be getting hit up about or people that or I don't think it's a thing that should be be seen in the in the almost moralistic terms that it is. It's an it's the easiest form of dismissal to avoid. Just just stay in your crease. I really wish I hadn't brought it up now because I've got a completely contrasting view. I am the baffling person in your life because I think I, I, I I'm I'm okay with it if they're three yards down the track. But the Joss Butler one last year, wasn't it? The Ravi Ashwin just whipped his bails up. Ashwin was halfway through his bowling action and then came back and then took the bails off. That's not a man cab. That's cheating. 
And I think there's a very fine line. And yeah, anyway, going com, coming back off that again, let's get back into Vinu Mancad's fine player, wasn't he? Absolutely fine player. And as you said, you know, he, he comes from an era where he's not going to be massively well known potentially. So he's one of these guys that I was referring to where before you vote, have a read up about him, see what he achieved. Yeah, his test career, 1946 to 1959. There's not a lot of television coverage out there, but he's done some done some incredible things. The, the raw numbers are, are decent, for certainly for an all-rounder. 2,109 runs, back, uh, a batting average of 31. 162 wickets, a bowling average of 32. Uh, so very close to each other in 44 tests. 500s uh, and eight fifers, so a very, very decent record. He's one of only three away players whose name is on both honours boards at Lords, and the others are Keith Miller and Sir Garfield Sobers. So it's, it's pretty good, uh, it's pretty good coverage. Company of his hundreds, one was at Lords, two were at the MCG, so three away from home. Uh, his uh, his fifers, uh, there's one at Lords, there's one at Sabina Park, there's one at Old Trafford, uh, and there's one at uh, in against Pakistan in Pakistan. He was part of what is uh, uh, was until uh, for a very very long time for 52 years the uh, the highest opening partnership in Test history, uh, 413 with Pankaj Roy uh, in in 1956. He also batted in every single position in the in the lineup throughout his his career. So an incredibly an incredibly versatile player, an incredibly important. Player part of that early Indian independent team. Good nomination to start us off then, I think. Let's move on to my first nomination, and that is a slightly different kind of player, really. Vishen Bedi. And when I was a kid, I grew up, and he was uh, playing for India at the time, And but I grew up in a very white part of England. In, I grew up in rural Lincolnshire, where my friend Santanu, who I mentioned in the introduction, was the first Indian person I'd ever seen. I, I, you know, I was quite sheltered, really, in terms of cosmopolitan England that we have now, thankfully. And I, I was fascinated by watching Vishen Bedi on the TV and he bowled in his turban he bowled with that uh, he bowled quite slow as well and he bowled with a loop and plenty of guile and plenty of flight and plenty of accuracy really trying to prod holes in the batsman's technique and he was part of the reason that when I first met my friend Santanu in the, in the school playground when we were both nine years old I walked up to Santanu never having met him before and Santanu had just come back from Calcutta and he was wearing two jumpers and it was a June day and it was blue sky and it was sunny and I went up to him and I first question was do you like cricket because I, the only Indians I'd seen on TV were cricketers and Bish and Bailey was a big part of that I, I was just fascinated by his skill he played obviously county cricket for North Ants as well but played a lot of test matches 67 in total took 266 wickets at an average of 28.71 now that is pretty decent he's well known more for his artistry with the red ball. Not for his batting, but definitely for his bowling. And I thought he was an absolute fantastic cricketer. His his action is is and you can see this even from some of the more some of the grainier footage that's out there. It is is beautiful. It's so controlled and his ability to to deceive batsmen in, in flight and with, with changes of pace. He was an absolute master of, of his craft. Uh, he had this long sort of gather and this long sweep of his arm up and over his, up and over in his, in his delivery stride. Took hatfuls of wickets in, in first class cricket in India and in, and in England with, uh, you know, a, a North Ant legend, uh, really, um, more than any other Indian, more first class wickets than any other, uh, Indian bowler. Was very successful both away from home and, and, and at home. <laughs> I toured with Bishop Bailey. <laughs> I, I did, um, and we'll, we'll come on to a few other members of that that famous spin quartet that he was part of. Although they, I don't think they ever actually played a test match together, or certainly not very often with uh, with, with all four of them. The, the one thing I would say about Bailey is that uh, his 
uh, I think he's rather damaged his own legacy in, in, in recent years. He was, he's very much a purist's, uh, bowler and, and there is something absolutely uncomplicated about his bowling action. And I think that has led him into really unfortunate dogmatism in recent years. Any bowler who has a slightly, a spinner who has a slightly unorthodox action, whether it's Mutai Murli Daran or Harbhajan Singh or Said Ajmal, uh, he, he just constantly, constantly just goes on and on about, about chucking this and chucking that and chucking the other. And it's become quite tiresome really in, in, in recent years. As a player, as a bowler, as a, as a pioneer of Indian spin bowling, as you, as you mentioned, uh, you know, county cricket, you know, Monty Panasar and Graham Swanson, plenty of other spinners came through at North Hans in the wake of Vishen Bedi kind of plowing that furrow. And so he's had a, a knock on effect around the world. But for India, an absolutely class player. It's that Badger style. So we've got two, Knuckle. Let's go for your second nomination. Yeah, my second is another member of that uh, that spin quartet and someone who had uh, huge success in, in England in, in test cricket, uh, Bhagwat Chandrasekhar. And Chandrasekhar, his, his record is, is excellent just to bear numbers, 242 wickets at 274 in 58 test matches, 16 fifers in 58 test matches, uh, an absolute bunny with the bat, uh, only players with a decent number of wickets. Only he and Chris Martin have more wickets than runs, uh, a, a, a complete bunny. Uh, but that's partly because of the, the physical deformity, which he turned from, from a deformity and a, and a serious disability into a, into a, an advantage, a positive boon. And it's interesting now you sometimes hear people talk about Chandrasekhar's withered arm as though it was some kind of unfair advantage. You know, the, the polio, this, uh, this disease that he had, that he had in the tackle when he was, when he was very, very young, uh, when he was six years old, that's a, polio is a devastating illness. It completely destroys your, your muscles and within the part of the body that, that it attacks and it killed people for, for, for decades. And it took him, it took him four years to even get to the stage where even with his, uh, withered arm, he was able to, to play cricket i'm a big fan of, of of unorthodox bowlers in particular who are able to once their unorthodoxy is worked out still perform and still and still be effective and chandra shaker absolutely fits into into that category uh you know look at his, his away record it is is superb his uh took 100 wickets in 26 away test matches uh and was probably his most famous uh, performance was the six where he took at the Oval in 1971, six for 38 in the second innings of that test match, captained by uh, Ajit Vardhakar, uh, India's first test win in England, which is a hugely significant achievement for, for any any test nation to, to beat the old enemy, to beat England, to beat the uh, the colonial oppressors, as it were, also the, the, uh, the instigators of uh, uh, cricket. And, and Chandra Shekhar He's down as a leg spinner, but he was, he's a completely unique bowler. And I think even now in these days of mystery spinners, there's never been a bowler quite like, uh, Chandra Shaker. His, uh, his ability to spin the ball at pace accurately, be able to turn the ball both ways with minimal change of action. And, you know, you were talking about the kind of exoticism, uh, the exoticization rather of, uh, of Indian cricketers, uh, cricketers from the subcontinent by white British cricket media. And this still goes on to some extent. And it, it's, it's pretty obvious to see that certainly in his early, Part of his career, Chandra Shaker absolutely had a had a bamboozled non-subcontinental batters. A brilliant record as well, hasn't he? 242 Test wickets, best of eight for 79, average of uh, 29.74 in 58 Test matches. That's a decent record that stands uh, stands parallel with uh, 
most of the spinners that we've ever seen in the world. So Chandrasekhar is your next nomination. I'm going to go back to the kind of similar kind of era, but very much in the uh, batting side of things. And I'm sure this will, when we when we get down to the the vote, it'll be one of the cricketers of yesteryear that will get a lot of votes in the goat cricketer votes. And that's Sunil Gavaskar. And he is a genuine legend. He is an absolute beauty of a cricketer. Um, I used to watch him bat. He obviously had some time in English county cricket for Somerset alongside Ian Botham and what have you. And I always used to remember him. And we're going back into the days where helmets weren't the thing with uh, batsmen. We you know, remember Viv Richards just batting in his cap against all sorts of attacks. And Son Gavaskar was one of the first who he started to wear those little pads down his ear and down his temples. And then uh, cricket helmets kind of came on soon after that. So he was quite thought forward thinking in, in terms of that. But quite a diminutive batsman, five foot five inches, but 125 test matches he played for in India. Scored over 10,000 runs, average of over 50 for India. He also played a, a shed load of one-day cricket as well. Not as much as uh, the likes of Collie do these days, but in that era, he was an ever-present in all of of India's sides and an absolute glorious batsman to watch. He had all the shots, as I say, quite small. And you often find with the small batsmen that they're very good against the short ball. Some of Gavaski was very good against the short ball and a, a genuine legend of Indian cricket. Now, you can debate all kinds of things about the 32 who I'll put up in the uh, vote for the Indian Goat Cricketer. You can debate all you like about someone Gavaskar. He goes in there, and I think he'll get quite a long way in it. A true world batting great. The first man to pass Don Bradman's number of test centuries. Did it everywhere. Uh, his first series was in the was in the West Indies when he was very, very young in 1971. Uh, and it wasn't quite the fearsome West Indies that it, that it became, but it's still... You had uh, you had various times in the series. You had Keith Boyce. You had Van Burn Holder. Uh, you, you had some guys who could bowl uh, who could bowl genuinely quickly. And he scored uh, in a time when India were not were not winning uh, away from home at all. In the four Test matches he played, he scored four hundreds uh, and and three fifties. And he was a he was a fantastic player of the short ball, as you say, as you say, James. You know, in his uh, most of his career, he would bat in his floppy sun hat and he would hook Andy Roberts, who was one of the best bouncer bowlers that the world has ever seen he would he would do so with uh, with no fear and with no uh, with no compunction really and you look at his you look at his averages uh, in the in across the various countries it's actually it's only weirdly it's only Sri Lanka where he's particularly struggled that's only from three test matches but he averaged 40 in England 50 in Australia 44 in New Zealand which at the time was incredibly batting unfriendly and 70 in the West Indies and this is uh, over a career from 1971 to 1983. So through the, the first great flowering of West Indian fast bowling, 704 50s and 13 tests in the West Indies. He played uh, 16, 17 years in an Indian test shirt. Reason he got to 125 test matches, which at the time was a huge number of test matches to play. We see a lot of cricket played around the world now and test matches come back to back to back and people can rack up test stats quite quickly. But Sunil Gavaskar, a legend of Indian cricket around for a long time. Obviously a former captain of his country as well. And yeah, genuine uh, contender, I think, for this GOAT Cricketer Award.
Ian Botham, the greatest ever test cricketer to have played for England, according to the hashtag Goat Cricketer Votes. We're on to India to get involved India badges. Who is the greatest ever India test player? Hashtag Goat Cricketer. Follow on Twitter at cricket underscore badger. Have your vote, have your say. We're going to find out who is the greatest ever cricketer to have played test match cricket. Get voting. Michael, let's move to your third nomination. Yeah, shares some similarities with uh, with Sonny, uh, a small man, five foot four, five foot five, from Bombay, uh, kind of of the of the bat all day school of, of Bombay uh, Bombay cricket. And this is someone who um, will feature very heavily in the final voting. Uh, Sachin Tendulkar, again, extraordinary longevity. And I think that this is sometimes used as a stick with which to beat Sachin. The fact that he people say you know he he scored. He scored his 49 test centuries because he, uh, 51 test centuries, in fact, sorry, uh, his hundred international hundreds. He, you know, as though his runs are a sort of an emergent property of the fact that he, that he played for, for so long. But the fact that he was able to play so long, yeah, of course, 51 test centuries, 68, 50s, uh, 50, nearly 16,000 runs and, uh, again, scored runs all over the world. But the fact that he was able to play for so long and be so consistent for so long from 1989 to 2013 is, is absolutely extraordinary. And I think some of the, some of almost the legend of Sachin Tendulkar has overtaken the, the batsman Sachin Tendulkar. You watch him at the various stages of his career, starting off as a very, as a teenager, as a very, uh, scrawny not at all powerful 16 year old uh against uh wasim akram and wakar yunus who made his debut in the same test match uh, in karachi and imran khan and abdul Qadir uh in uh in that in that series and batting with great bravery and, and power he was hit in one of his very early test matches he was hit hard on the side of the head by wakar yunus who was then uh, a really raw tearaway and he batted on through that through that impact uh, then comes to England, has a famous spell at Yorkshire, uh, where he becomes becomes England, uh, Yorkshire's first overseas player, for basically first non-Yorkshireman, I think, kind of breaking, kind of bringing Yorkshire in a little bit to the modern cricketing world. I'd dip in there because I'll, I'll tell you a little bit around that. Obviously, Yorkshire's my team. They'd signed Craig McDermott, and the Australian fast bowler was going to come across and become Yorkshire's first overseas and signing and player and uh, Craig McDermott then did his back in they had to scramble around at the last moment um, to try and find somebody and in the end they brought a very young fledgling talent called Sasha Tendulkar and uh, the rest is history I think he got on very well with the Yorkshire public got on very well with the, his uh, county colleagues in the dressing room too and uh, although he stayed for just the one summer became quite a, a popular figure ahead of me very quickly. But Gary Sobers actually represented Yorkshire for the first time. They were on a tour and there was a few injuries and they had to call up some uh, local talent. And Gary Sobers played a couple of matches for Yorkshire 11. It wasn't in the county championship or anything too official. But Gary Sobers did play for Yorkshire a long, long time before that. But Sasha Tendulkar, definitely the first official um, Yorkshireman to come from an overseas country to play in the county championship in 1992. And yeah, it opened up the doors. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and for, a, for a county that, that you, um, I'm from Yorkshire um, as well, um, and for a county that still had, still to this day, sometimes has problems really tapping into the fact that it's got a massive uh, subcontinental population, a massive cricket mad population, and actually getting those those people into the, uh, into the county structure properly and being uh, and being properly welcomed, um, um, a massive a massive thing for him to undertake as a as a seventeen or eighteen year old. Around the same time, he uh, he has his first tour of England, scores his first Test hundred at Old Trafford, and then as he goes through the early part of his career, he was a really flamboyant player, 
we think of him now as uh, the textbook brought to life, very solid, very risk-free. He sometimes loses on, you know, that that old Tenduka Lara game. Uh, you know, people he would lose points on style to Brian Lara. Sure, Lara at, at his peak was was just ridiculous. But Tenduka, you look at back at the footage of him in the mid nineties, really through to. A, about, uh, well, no, so let's say the mid 90s, so 97, 98 was probably his peak. And there's two famous, uh, one day internationals against Australia led by Shane Warne in Sharjah, where there is no way you can bowl at Tendulkar. He's stepping out and hitting Warne against the spin. He's hitting him back over his head. He's going deep in his crease and cutting. Uh, and nobody had taken on Shane Warne like that on, on really turning pitches. And they are absolutely astonishing to watch at a time when India didn't have the depth of batting talent that they subsequently developed. Uh, you know, he pretty much carried the can for a very long time uh, until the emergence uh, of uh, of Dravid and uh, and, and Sivagan, a few others uh, in the in the well, they, they all debuted in the 90s, but they kind of came to to the peak of their their powers in the in the mid 2000s. And there's a famous quote from Virat Kohli at the end of the 2011 World Cup final, which is uh, that and that period of his career is very interesting as well because he goes through a period of injury where and he goes through a period of not quite being able to dominate in the same way and having to become a very safety first uh, batsman. There's the famous double hundred in Sydney where he didn't score a single run through the covers in out of 241 but then he from sort of 2009 to to the end of the 2011 world cup he has this last final flowering of greatness where suddenly for whatever reason perhaps his fitness issues aren't quite as as much of a thing as they had been before or perhaps he's freed up by a slightly more developed indian team uh, and possibly by the coaching of gary kirsten he's able to dominate attacks again and he he was a powerful and dominant figure throughout the 2011 world cup my favorite such in innings is one that he did scored in 10 in 10 11 in south africa at newlands it's called 148 so it's not his biggest of his 51 test hundreds but i think it is one of his best uh, dale stain was absolutely at the peak of his powers at this time and morning morkel was backing him up as well which isn't bad and stain and morkel were unplayable that day no one else could handle them there's a ball that stain balls to chateshwar pujara uh who are very was a very very fine player even in those early days of his test career that i defy anyone to to play it it's one of those classic Dale Stain outswingers. Pitches on middle and leg, starts to swing just a little bit before it pitches. Swings so late and so fast at 90-something miles an hour that Pujara has absolutely no chance and is pinned LBW. You know, pitching leg stump would have hit up, taken up middle enough stump. Tendulkar is the only one who, are, who is able to play Stain and Morkel. And he has this incredible battle with, with Dale Stain where it's these two great cricketers at the... At, close to their peaks and it the footage is out there on youtube it's absolutely riveting and he just so he he plays out stain and morkel but he's able to score runs off them slowly slowly through the innings and just absolutely decimates everybody else no one else could bowl at him that day and it's a measure of stain's greatness as well the, of how how incredible that was the last few years of his career sure the 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 quest for the hundredth hundred got a little bit a little bit distasteful at time but um such an thing is uh even with with smith and coley around now uh, the greatest batter of my lifetime. Absolutely. And there were a couple of things I can remember with, with Tendulkar. I, I always um, kind of pinch myself towards the, knowing somebody's coming towards the end and knowing somebody like Tendulkar, who genuine legend of all time cricket was coming to the end. I, I made time to really sort of study a few of his innings that he played towards the end of his career, just to kind of soak it in really and trying to remember it. And there was one shot he played and I can't remember what match it was. I think it was a test match where the ball was probably about a foot, two foot outside off stump. It was in Jeffrey Boycott's corridor of uncertainty, probably a bit wider than that. Any other batsman would have either his shouldered arms to it or would have 
try to hit it through the cover region. Sachin Tendulkar somehow got his foot across to it and then brought the bat down dead straight and then just tucked it behind square leg for the most comfortable two you've ever seen in your life. I find it hard to believe that very many other players could have played that shot so just so easily. And he just had all the time in the world. And that's the hallmark of a great cricketer, isn't it? A, a batsman that seems to have a country age to actually register the line, the length, get themselves into perfect position, and then just to dispatch the ball wherever they want. And the other thing with Tendulkar, and the same will apply to a, a couple of others in this list, but the Indian nation are just so passionate about cricket. If they live, breathe it, they just want to touch um, a player and they want to be close to a player and yeah, these days have a selfie with a player, etc. And the tsunami match that was at uh, Lord's MCC play, the rest of the world 11, and Sachin Tendulkar came across to play in that game. And I was uh, fortunate enough to go down and watch that. And I can remember waiting around after the game. I was trying to get a few autographs. This was going back a few years now. And the um, Sachin Tendulkar, there must have been a thousand Indian fans outside of the the entrance to where the dressing room, yeah, the stairs up to the dressing room are. And then there's a there's an archway and there's a kind of an overpass and then there's another outbuilding. And these uh, Indians were chanting Sachin's name and they were waiting for him and they were waiting for him. And it got to about an hour after the close of play, then 90 minutes after the close of play. And somebody had to come out and actually tell them all that he'd gone home already because he'd gone over the archway and then got a car from uh, on, the, on the street side and uh, had kind of a, tried to avoid the, the fans. But the pressure that Virat Kohli will come on to in a second and the Sachin Tendulkar and, and you know, the real greats, the MSDs, the real greats and the very popular players in Indian cricket. It's not just about playing cricket. It's the scrutiny, isn't it? Every single thing you do in that country or even overseas, you are scrutinised. Everybody wants a piece of you. You devote your whole life to cricket. It's not just your working life. It's everything. Yeah, and that's what partly what makes his uh, his longevity so extraordinary. Being able to handle that for so long, uh, and maybe not so much in the early part of his career in the in the early nineties, but certainly as the satellite TV boom hits India, India becomes India sorry, becomes the richest cricketing nation. The everything becomes supercharged. India starts to open up as a society. It starts to open up economically through the reforms of the uh, the early nineties. Sachin Tendulkar becomes the poster child. He becomes India's greatest cultural export, in effect, with the possible exception of Bollywood. It's very hard to relate to basically not being able to live a public life in in your home country uh, Tendulkar famously had a a flat and still owns a flat very close to Lords, which was his bolt hole he used to spend as much time there as he could because because you could actually live something approaching a normal public life in India it simply wasn't possible and I think what he, his ability to to keep the people around him to keep his inner circle composed only of people who had his best interests at heart not rip him to pieces with all of the, the particular demands of him was uh, was quite incredible. And I'm sure that uh, some of the more recent or, or subsequent Indian Indian greats will have taken uh, will have taken the lessons from Tendulkar about how to how to handle all that. And it may have reflected his it may have had an impact on his on his personality. Um, he wasn't a particularly flamboyant person. And I think uh, and he wasn't someone who outside of outside of his batting where he was absolutely happy to take on responsibility, where he, was, he wasn't especially, he didn't seek out the limelight, but he was very comfortable with it coming as a result of his cricket, which is uh, a pretty incredible trick to pull off. Uh, by the way, not a, not a bad bowler either, um, capable of bowling various different types of, uh, various different styles, bought a bit of seam up, bought a bit of pa- very possible leg breaks and googlies. The uh, Kolkata test match that India won with Vivius Luxor and Rahul Dravid 
that incredible partnership. Uh, Tendulkar, it, it's Tendulkar who takes the wickets on the last uh, on the last day to seal that victory. Um, and had he not been so great a batsman, we may have been looking at a pretty decent batting all rounder. Not a bad way to uh, segue into my third nomination. And I've gone a little bit out of order here just to try and uh, marry up Tendulkar with this next man, who is the current Indian cricket captain, Virat Kohli. Currently 31 years old, but what he's done already in the game just speaks volumes for him. He's just an incredible player. He averages over 50 in test matches, ODIs and T20 internationals. This scope cricketer is obviously for his test match performances. But I think that just illustrates how many different gears, how many different levels, how much quality he's got in his batting. That he can be that consistent across all of those different formats, across all of the games he's played. He's played 248 ODIs. He's played another 82 T20 internationals. And he's not far off 100 test matches he's got 86 to his name at the moment over 7,000 runs just a run machine he's just somebody that sets himself and the people around him massively high standards I actually had a, a period where I, I loved him as a player loved him as a character loved him as a personality but I didn't think he was a very good captain I thought he was quite reactionary rather than actually t- kind of driving games forward he tended to kind of react to what was going on around him I'm not necessarily a fan of captains that wear their heart on the sleeve and there's nobody wears their heart on the sleeve more than Virat Kohli you know he's pumping his chest he's punching the air his eyeballs are sticking out of his head when his team takes a wicket but I actually think he's getting better as a captain and he's learning as as you'd you'd hope he would do but I I think his his role in the Indian current Indian setup India are the best test team in the world at the moment one of the best one-day sides in the world. He's had a major part in that. The standards that he's set, the men around him have been huge. And I just think as an ambassador off the pitch as well, and it helps that he says what I'm thinking because he, he, he's all for preserving Test Match cricket. He's all for kind of preserving the traditions of the game. He sees that as being important. So I'm, I'm, all, I'm right behind him when he speaks. But when he speaks, because he is one of the most well-known men in India, then people listen. And I think it, because he says the right things and respects the traditions of cricket. That's a very healthy thing for cricket to have. And obviously, he's married one of the uh, one of the most famous women in India as well. And I, it made me chuckle. It made me think about you know what we've been talking about about how famous these guys are in that country. About when he got married and they were thinking about whether they were going to go on honeymoon. Yeah, whereas everybody else would think, right, how much can I afford to spend? Get the books out, right, I'm going to go there, there or there. He had to be really specific and they chose a country. Um, I think it was Iceland in the end where they thought, but they don't really play Finland. Too much. Finland, that's it right. It was Finland, and there's a really funny story about they that. Don't, they don't, yeah, they don't play cricket there, so you thought that was a decent place to go and observe. And then I think the story you're going to tell is the one where they went into the cafe. That's right, yeah. They, they go into a cafe, and they spot an Indian Sikh man wearing a turban, and they are desperately trying not to make eye contact with him at any point because they know that they've deliberately come to a place. And it starts with the wedding. They got married in secret, in not in secret exactly, but with with on strictly need-to-know basis in Italy, right? um, a country that has some cricket, but certainly where cricket is not is not a, a big public thing. So they go into this they go into this uh, this cafe and they they get their coffee, desperately trying not to make eye contact. They sit down at a table way out away from everybody else. This man comes over to them. He spotted them. He's he's got his cricket dar on. He's I'm sure he gets over his initial surprise and he goes up to them and says, "I'm an Indian too, and my name's also Kohli." <laughs> you see, you're telling this story better than me because I didn't know that. Bit. Yeah, and it 
Virat Kohli has to put up with some stuff that even Sachin Tendulkar didn't have to put up with, possibly because he's a much more outgoing personality. He's from Delhi, which is a city where you kind of have to be a little bit brash and outgoing just to just to get by. It's not a city for shrinking violets. And because he ended up um, falling in love with and then getting married to someone who's a public figure in her own right, he's had to put up with a lot of nonsense, really. You know, the, he used to get people, you know, blaming Anushka Sharma for all of his, for any time Virat Kohli didn't score a hundred or, or, or whatever. And this, this really toxic, poisonous, sexist nonsense. But they are, you know, they, they're very visibly in love and kind of, in a kind of sweet, almost dorky way. But, uh, but kind of going away from, going away from his, his personal life. Yeah. As you talked about the, the, the time that Sachin Tendulkar had to play and the, the ease of with which he can turn the ball from, from off stump or, or even outside off stump into the leg side. And Virat Kohli's game partly built on that as well. It, it's built on, on the fact that he makes bowlers bowl where they don't want to bowl. Yeah. Every team as well that plays against a team with Virat Kohli in has not won the game until he's out, whether that's one day or test matches, because he can turn a game on his own, can't he? Yeah, just a, a, an absolute genius, a modern day genius. There are times when he when he's batting and he, he, he almost visibly you see something in his face change where he has an ability to completely destroy uh, bowler's psyche. Uh, and even in times when he's really struggling, the the best example of this is his hundred uh, in the first test of the recent series against England in 2018. Uh, it's 141. It's, in the, it's a stunning innings. It's one of the greatest things on English soil in in Test cricket. But he's really struggling against Jimmy Anderson, who is bowling beautifully. The ball is swinging around corners. The ball's moving off the seam. Uh, there's a supercut of every ball that Anderson bowls to. To Virat Kohli, and there are a few edges in there. There's a catch that's dropped. I think it's Keaton Jenny. Uh, no, David Milan, who dropped a catch in the in the slips. And Kohli is having to work incredibly hard. He's he spent the he, four years before he'd really struggled and failed against against England in England. And oh, and over that four years, he's he's become an even greater player than he already was. And he he's made these technical adjustments pretty much off his own off his own back. He's worked out what he has to do to be able to score runs in England, which is the one place up till now where he hasn't scored in, where he hasn't scored any runs in in Test cricket. Nobody else is really troubling him. Even Stuart Broad, who was bowling very well at this uh, at this time, but Coley, and I liken it to the to the Thunder battle, is able to to get through and be able to and able to capitalize on what luck he does get. And then towards the end of that innings, when he's batting with the tail, he suddenly switches from survival to attack mode, and with very very little support. You had Ishan Sharma at the other end, who was a decent blocker, but certainly has no shots, and suddenly. There's balls being pulled from outside off stump through mid-wicket. There's balls being sent back over the bowler's head. There's late cuts. There's He's coming down the track off, uh, off fast-medium bowlers. And suddenly he's absolutely unplayable. And he and his last he goes from 100 to 141 in the blink of an eye and gets India up to a, a vaguely competitive total. And, and his dismissal is probably what, India, in the second innings, is probably what won England that in that test match. But he's scored runs now everywhere in the world. He's scored a lot of runs in Australia. He was absolutely brilliant when England, India were in South Africa in at the start of 2018 on some really, really spicy pitches. His 100 in the second test match is, is absolutely wonderful. His command of his, his defense in attacking strokes he he is a wonderful player through through the offside off the front foot uh the way he can manipulate the spinners he manipulates the field he is 
still very much uh, an emotional and impetuous guy but he uh, and he's been the way he's been able to harness that and uh, and not suppress his own personality but bring it out in his batting is, is incredible and we could have another 10 years is probably pushing it but it's but certainly seven or eight years of Virat Kohli assuming he doesn't get completely burnt out by the captaincy absolutely he's, he's just an incredible player it's that badger style Michael, we are racing through time here. We, we could talk about Indian cricketers till the cows come home. We've got two nominations left each. We'll probably have to be a little bit quicker on uh, on these. But can we have your fourth, please? Yeah, my fourth is uh, another uh, wonderful stroke player. And uh, someone who kind of broke the mould, Virinder Sehwag. He and Sunil Gavaskar would, would open the batting in my all-time India 11. Um, and I would I would put that up against any all-time 11 from any other country, really. Uh, Virinder Sehwag, we'd seen attacking openers before. We'd seen Gordon Greenwich was a very was a very attacking opening batter and Matthew Hayden was starting to come into his into his own as a as a test opener but uh, Sewag's remorseless absolutely uncompromising attacking outlook to opening the batting uh, you know he was brought up from the middle order uh, and where he where he'd been uh, a kind of a counter attacking batsman he he his first test tour that he opened was in 2002 against England and He'd never opened the batting before that tour. His first time opening the batting in first-class cricket was on that tour, is in a warm-up match uh, on that on that tour. Even in, in Ranji Trophy cricket, he'd mostly batted in the in the middle order, and he took to it incredibly well because the joy of Sehwag was what the harder you went at him, the harder he came back at you. This was more strategic than I think was given credit than he was given credit for at the time. He he targeted uh, particular bowlers, he targeted particular circumstances, and. It wasn't that he was being reckless or that he was taking on good deliveries. His definition of a good delivery was radically different to anyone else's before or probably since, because a lot of people have tried to do what Sovag did in taking on the bowling from the very outset of a test match, but probably only David Warner has done it consistently. And even David Warner doesn't score as fast as Sovag has to average nearly 50 at a strike rate in the 80s in test cricket is is ridiculous and two triple hundreds as well so he wasn't just a uh he was someone who could keep going and keep going and keep going the only man to bring up 300 with a six in in test cricket basically destroyed to claim Mushtaq single-handedly in that test match in Multan and could take a day completely and make it his own there's a few famous examples 195 in uh, the boxing day test against against australia uh, it scores nearly 300 in a day against Sri Lanka, and one that isn't any wasn't even a hundred, but the fourth day, the fourth evening of the Chennai Test in 2008, where India are set 386 to win. Virinder Sehwag smashes 80 in about 10 overs and brings it within, so it kind of basically reduces a ridiculous target to a normal target just by being Virinder Sehwag. Um, he was he was a one-off. Absolutely. You mentioned David Warner there. In fact, David Warner and Virenda Sewag have basically made it rather a hard life for openers in, uh, in world cricket. Jason Roy kind of bore the brunt of that. He was expected to follow suit. And yeah, not everybody can do what those kind of guys can do. So Virenda Sewag joins the list of nominations. My next one, I think, will be a very fond memory for uh, Indian supporters. It's kind of maybe his crowning glory was in the... Uh, in the one day stuff where as captain of India in 1983 he was the man that lifted the World Cup trophy above his head at Lords after India had uh, possibly rather surprisingly won that World Cup but Kapil Dev 
was uh, born to be a, a player in an era of great all-rounders. Ian Botham, who won the England Goat Cricketer Award, was playing. You've got Richard Hadley. There was Clive Rice, who maybe not playing international cricket, was a, an absolute genius as an all-rounder. Imran Khan of Pakistan as well. But Kapil Dev was the man that filled that uh, berth for India. And India haven't really had an all-rounder of his quality. Um, I can't think of another one of his quality, really. Yeah, as a batsman, you know, his batting's possibly overlooked a little bit. But you look at his test record with bat in hand. It's all right. An average of about 31 with the bat high score of 163. But it was with the ball that I remember him most fondly. 434 test wickets for his country. Kapil Deb, captain extraordinaire, an all-rounder that certainly lived in the company of the great all-rounders around the world that I've mentioned and definitely a worthy nomination for this GOAT cricketer vote. Kapil Deb goes in as my fourth nomination. Yeah, was for a time the most prolific test bowler of all time, um, which given that he bowled a lot of his career on very, very unfriendly pitches is, is pretty incredible. Um, probably his most famous, if not his greatest test achievement was that incident at Lords in a game that India lost very heavily, the Graham Gooch game, where he smashes four sixes in a row of Eddie Hemmings to, to save the follow on. But, but yeah, we'll always be a legend in Indian cricket for, for captaining the team to the 1983 World Cup and basically kickstarting interest in one day cricket in India. Indian cricket administration is quite reactive in that way. Basically, you only invest when you're winning. The new feature on the Cricket Badger podcast is the letters page. Very much in inverted commas, because what we want you to do is to record your comments on to your telephone. Send us the audio to cricketbadger at hotmail.com and we'll play it out as part of that letter page function. Maybe even react to what you say, whether it's an opinion on cricket, international or domestic. Maybe you've got some selection suggestions for the England team or for your county. Maybe you just want to have a bit of a rant. Make it anything up to a minute long. Send it in to cricketbadger at hotmail.com and you might find yourself on next week's podcast. Let's have your fifth and final nomination, Knuckle Pandey. My fifth? There's a guy who doesn't have a great deal of uh, of Test cricket behind him, but is symbolic of of the new India. It's it's just Preeti Bumrah. Only 14 Test matches, but he's he came into Test cricket basically fully formed. Kind of a little bit like Chandrasekhar, he'd been kind of pigeonholed as a bit of a mystery bowler, a bit of a gimmick, but his fundamentals are so 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 solid, and his uh, his emergence as a fast bowler who has everything and who can who can work you out, who can get you out, and who can scare you out, which India have really never had. And now India have a number of very good fast bowlers around the world. And Bumrah kind of completed that piece of the puzzle. It's incredible that he's actually, he's still never played a test match at, at home, but has taken uh, fivers in every single country that he's played in. He's taken, I think, I mean, not New Zealand, but he's taken fivers in England. He's taken fivers in South Africa, in the West Indies, in Australia. And he's, grown and grown and learnt and learnt uh, over time. He was very much at the start of his career a bowler who only angled the ball in to uh, to batters but then he developed with his incredible uh, technical attention to detail and despite his slightly unorthodox looking run-up, his very solid from the ground up technique that is absolutely built for proper out and out fast bowling uh, he then developed that ball that can go away uh, which Paul Keaton Jennings found to his cost and a number of the West Indian batsmen in India's tour of the West Indies in, in 2019 found to their found to their cost as well and he so he can move the ball both ways at pace he's got a wonderful Yorker he's got a brilliant slower ball he's got a very sharp bouncer that's very difficult to get out of the way of 
just breathe Boomer, only 14 tests in, 68 wickets at 20.33. We've seen bowlers have great starts and not be able to go on, but just breathe Boomer, for what he represents in Indian cricket and for what he could yet represent, uh, is my final nomination. And he's a very good one as well. He's a joy to watch. An absolute well, com- complete control of his arts at times. Just a bit bummer. I'm going to change my final nomination. I know I, I did tell you my list of five, but I, I, I'm going to change it because I can't not just finish off by talking about my, my final nomination. I did think of Dilip Ben Sarkar. I thought about Ben Cat. I thought about quite a few of the Indian greats of yesteryear as being my final nomination. But I'm going to go back to one man who does fit the bill of being a, an absolute icon of Indian cricket of recent times and that's Mahendra Singh Dhoni. Currently 38, he's probably kind of going through the twilight of his career at the moment. A great for CSK in the IPL, but a captain extraordinaire for India. And I think a lot of people, when they think about MS Dhoni, particularly these days with the IPL obviously being on for so much of the year, they think about MS Dhoni against the white ball. But yeah, test cricket... Very, very good test match record. He's played 90 times for his country in the five-day stuff. 224 is his highest score. An average of just over 38, which for a wicketkeeper batsman, that's not too shabby. He's a little bit of a rock star of Indian cricket. You know, you get uh, your Sunil Gavaskas. He's quite a mild-mannered creature. Virat Kohli, as you say, is a little bit more kind of demonstrative. But his MS Dhoni was... The kind of guy, he had the long hair, didn't he, in his, in his prime. He came in on a motorbike. He just kind of loves the attention. I mean, just ahead of the IPL starting last year, his team were practicing the week in advance of it. And it was a packed stadium just to watch MS Dhoni practice. And there was a little viral video that went around of the crowd just chanting his name and shrieking just as he walked out to have a net session. That is the kind of stature that somebody like MS Dhoni holds in the Indian team. He played across all three formats, as I say. There's a test match cricketer as a wicketkeeper batsman in an era kind of where Adam Gilchrist had set the bar very high. MS Dhoni, he did pretty well, I think, in comparison. And for India, an absolute stalwart of all three sides and an absolute legend of the game. He's my fifth nomination. Yeah, probably not in the very top echelon of keeper batsmen around the through here. I mean, Gilchrist is the absolute gold standard, but you have people like Andy Flau, Kumar Sangakara. Um, even Matt Pryor, uh, who for a time was was one of the very best, and now BJ Watling, probably not as good a batter as any of those, but managed to to make the most of his uh, of his slightly odd technique or his kind of two techniques, because he it's incredible to think now that Dhoni was an out and out tacking trailblazing destroyer of attacks in his younger days with that that long hair flowing and the uh, and his penchant for motorbikes and fast cars some of his early hundreds is uh early 148 against pakistan is one day 883 against sri lanka some of his exploits in in both forms of the game his double hundred against england in the in the first test of the of the tour in 2012 he just absolutely murdered bowling attacks particularly straight down the ground invented a shot basically the helicopter shot or didn't invent it but certainly has become synonymous with it and his, with his extraordinary wrist and forearm strength and it, but it's incredible to think of that now when he's become you know he's become the Iceman he's become sort of some kind of Zen master you think of you talk about captains who wear their heart on their sleeve you can never really tell the match situation from what MS Dhoni's thinking and he's got this incredible cricket supercomputer of a brain and it, it became a bit of an issue towards the end of his test career where he was a little bit too passive and not quite able to uh, to get the best out of a, of a team in transition but he was for for his time and for his peak from 2008 to 2011 he was the perfect captain for that that team where a more interventionist captain might not have had the same results with a with a team built on 
on on batting greats and and a sort of developing developing attack. Um, you know, a fascinating character, dryly funny on the pitch, and as a wicketkeeper, he's he's gone from strength to strength in the last few years. Probably we didn't quite see the best of his keeping in, in Test cricket, but there have been very few in in recent years who are better up to the stumps to, to spinners than than M. S. Dhoni, and as as a personality and as a as a leader, uh, one of one of India's cricket's true greats. I remember when uh, Yorkshire qualified for the uh, Champions uh, League after getting through to the final of the uh, T20 Blast in England and we went across to South Africa and uh, CSK were representing the IPL there and uh, so were the Mumbai Indians and all the Yorkshire players could talk about in advance of uh, the, the games that we had out there was Tendulkar in a Mumbai Indian shirt and MS Dhoni in a CSK shirt and I think that probably tells you uh, where they stand. These are, these are professional cricketers of a very high standard who are just wanting to get on the pitch with these fellas because they realise what great players they are. So MS Dhoni makes up the 10. It's that Badger style. Now read us back through the 10 nominations from myself and Knuckle. We've got Vinu Mankat, Chandra Seika, Sachin Tendulkar, Virenda Sewag and Jasprit Bumrah on Knuckle Pandey's nominations for the GOAT Cricketer, India's greatest ever Test Cricketer. And I've gone for Sunil Gavaskar, Bishin Bedi, Virat Kohli, Kapil Dev and MS Dhoni will add 22 to that list. We'll draw them out into a knockout draw. There'll be four in each vote. The top two will qualify for the next round until we get down to four in the final when we will find out who is the hashtag GOAT cricketer for Indian Test Match history. If I was to ask you, Knuckle, now, of the 10 that we've talked about, who would you pick out as being the greatest? I'm going to go with one of my nominations. I'm going to go for Sachin Tendulkar. It is always tempting to go for the hipster choice in these in these scenarios, but for his not just his longevity, but from his for his absolute control and mastery of of the art of batting and his ability to ride out various waves of cricket. You know, the amount of truly great players whose careers he played either side of is is incredible. Lara and Shane Warne, uh, just to name a couple, for for all of the things that that he did on on the field and for all of the things he had to had to do off the field to to enable that to happen over that twenty four year career. My my nomination is Sachin Tendulkar. Rather boringly, I will agree with you. Because I think Sasha Tendulkar certainly uh, in my lifetime has been the, the, the very best of the best and uh, I think looked up to by not just Indians but people around the world. So he would be my choice as well for hashtag Goat Cricketer. But we'll hand it across to the at cricket underscore badger public and you can vote over the next uh, week or so for the hashtag Goat Cricketer for the Indian test team. Who is the greatest of them all? We've given you 10, we'll add another 22 and we'll find out over the next week or so who you vote for as the best ever Indian test cricketer. Nakul Pandey, thank Thank you very much for joining me again today. Thank you very much, James. And thank you for listening, everybody out there. You stay safe out there in uh, Cricket Badger land. I know uh, Indian listeners, um, this one's for you as well. I know you're struggling out there in India with the coronavirus like we are, well, like everybody is around the world. But hopefully this will give you something just to occupy your minds and to stop thinking about COVID-19. So vote on your greatest ever Indian cricketers. Have a little bit of, bit of fun with it. It's not that serious. It's a chance to discuss cricket and to, to yesteryear and some of the people that delighted you with their cricket performances in an Indian shirt down the year. So enjoy it. Hashtag Goat Cricketer on the at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed. And then we'll see you next time on the Cricket Badger Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.